Welcome to the Drum History Podcast. I'm your host, Bart Vanderzee, and today I'm joined by Don Corder, who is Jim Corder, the founder of Corder Drums, uh, on the show. Don, welcome. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Corder is one of those uh, really cool brands that I, I, I think a lot of drummers know about, but um, it's it's really uh, it's got a unique history. Um, and uh, first off, this was recommended by Brian Bayer, who I believe you emailed back and forth a little bit. And Brian has done a lot of research on um, uh, the drum forums and uh, tried to put together a little bit of the history himself. And we kind of figured, why not go to the man himself, um, Mr. Don here? So, so yeah, Don, why don't you go back and tell us about the origins of um, of Quarter? And I'll spell it out for people. It's C-O-R-D-E-R. There's connections to fives. There's acrylic drums. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so, Tell us about quarter drums. Okay. Well, quarter drums was basically my dad. When he was young, he was pushed off the steps of the school where he went to school and he bruised his heel mm. and he got um, tuberculosis of the bone in his heel. Oh my God. And I don't know if you're familiar with that disease or not, but um, he was bedridden for two years. Oh. Wow. And he, his leg, basically his hip just disintegrated. So he had a built up shoe, probably six inches and, um, on one leg. And, you know, he never considered himself handicapped at all. And so when he was in, I think in high school, he ordered a drum set. And back then there was no local music store. You know, he ordered it from Ludwig, I think. And um, started playing the drums. He worked his way through college. He had no help from his mom. He was a he was a single. You know, she was a didn't have a husband at the time. Mm -hmm. His dad had passed away from tuberculosis. Jeez, what year was he born? And Just so we we know that he was born in 1921. Okay, yeah, he worked his way through college playing the drums with a big band. Cool. You know, they would play all these gigs and he would say, actually made enough money to send money home to his mom. And so um, when he got out of college, he, he opened a music store. He was he was just into music. He liked music, but he was a businessman. That's what he got his degree on in college. Yeah. And um, so he, you know, continued to play drums. We moved back to Huntsville and. Then I think it was in the middle to late 60s, he had a retail store here also because he had had one in Tuscaloosa. And then he moved up here to Huntsville and he opened up another music store. And then he started thinking about the acrylic drums, you know, plexiglass, plastics was big and coming on at the, in the 60s. Yeah. And so he made a, a plexiglass drum. and. Um, I remember I was, it was so far ago that I was, I remember riding my bicycle over to where he was working on, on the drum. And, um, it just didn't mean anything to me. I just kept riding my bicycle. And, uh, anyhow, he, um, finished the drum and contacted Ludwig, a drum company about, you know, what kind of interest they might have in that drum. And according to my dad, he took it up and met with Bill Ludwig. 
Wow. And dad got behind the curtain and, and played one of Ludwig's snare drums and he played his, his snare drum that he'd made. And Ludwig picked his snare drum as the better sounding one. <laughs> he thought it was his. <laughs> the blind and, test kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so dad tried to work something out with Ludwig, but Ludwig, um, and dad ha- actually had gotten a patent on what he thought was clear, you know, plexiglass drums. But at the time, Zekos and I don't know who all else was involved in that. There was a bunch of people yeah. doing that at the same time. Yeah. And come to find out the, um, dad was pushing his drums as you could change inserts out. You could have a, champagne sparkle one night and a blue you know sparkle the next week you just take the head off put a different insert that is so i was looking into that a little online and that is to me just such an awesome idea like i I mean so you just explained it really well but just for my own you know brain to wrap around it so you basically like you said you take the head off and then i guess there'd be little you know holes to kind of fit around the 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 you know, the screws for the lugs, but yeah, you're changing it to, you have blue drums one night. Then like you said, sparkle. I mean, that is such a good idea yeah. and you can yeah. only do that because they're clear acrylic drums and you can see through them. So it's just like, correct. Oh my God. I mean, I've never heard of that. So that's anything. what his patent was on. Wow. So he acted when Ludwig started making the, um, the what Vista lights or whatever, yep. the shaded colors. Yep. He tried to, tried to sue them and, there was a law firm in Atlanta that looked at it and they go, no, no, you don't have a case. Yeah. We're sorry. You know, you just don't have a case. So, you know, years passed and then dad sold his music store and then found himself kind of floundering. He didn't know what to do. You know, saw all the money going out and nothing coming in. Mm. So then he started a custom clear drum company and yes. started making um, plexiglass shells and he would take people's drum sets if they were they wanted he would change them over drill the holes to match their hardware and just basically change their whole shells out to acrylic shells wow so he would just use like if you have a ludwig kit or whatever he would use their hardware their hardware you yes. know because online yeah. there's some there's some like forums and things people are talking about like gosh that's like 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 they look at these, I, I think there was some documentation about custom clear drum company, which is in, you know, obviously in Alabama. And they would say there's so much different hardware, which that makes perfect yeah. sense because it's just. Yeah, it was just whatever they had at the time and whatever dad could come up with. If he made a drum set, it was made from just whatever he could scavenge. Man, you know, he sound, so. sounds like a very um, uh, like a businessman, like you said, but also just like an inventor, like a very like, well, I can you know, like he just, he got it done, you know? Oh yeah. He's got, I, I looked through the patent file. I was trying to look at, find the patent on the, um, the, um, the drums, the yeah. interchangeable inserts, but I couldn't find it. I could find one on the flute lyre. I could find one on the, um, he had one for a bass drum with protective feet. Hmm. Um, he had one on, um, the music flip folder. He had, oh, he had, he had several, you know, he tried to, he yeah. tried to patent everything and I don't, it never worked out for him, but that's okay. You know, you know, they got, they got to have the, the guy who's just, who's, who's doing it. I mean, there's, there's something so impressive about that. And 
I briefly looked into like now I feel like it's a little different probably now versus then. I don't know which side which one would be easier or harder, but man, patenting anything is really not easy and 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 it's expensive and it takes time and again, this is a many years later in 2021 or at that point I think it was 2020 when I was looking into it, but um so good for him. I mean, he's just He's covering all his bases, yeah, trying to yeah. He was a, he was a sharp fella, yeah, really. Okay, so um, better better man than me is all I can say. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, honestly, that's awesome that your dad is such an important person to you. Um, so uh, I'm just interested too about, and I think I was talking about this with um, when I was doing the Zikos episode with Wes Falconer, who um, who who knew Bill Zikos because he he's kind of known as the. F- the inventor of like the acrylic drum, which it sounds like that still sort of holds true. I know there's other people doing multiple things, but it seems like your dad was like, okay, other people are doing this. And I think there is usually like a two or three people can kind of be experimenting at the same time. And it's like, who comes first to market sort of thing. So, but right, how yeah. did your dad, like, was he working with a company who was manufacturing like a plastics manufacturer or um the actual production of the early acrylic the custom clear drum company which was the original company i mean how did he get these shells made how did how did that do you know how that went well he worked with a local plastic company they had they had a like a big furnace they would put a a sheet and they would cut the sheet to the size for the height of the drum. And then they would put it in a, um, a big oven to heat it up to where it was pliable. And then they would roll it over on a, um, basically a, uh, a mold, mm. which would be the inside diameter of, you know, um, the, the shell basically. Sure. And, um, so then, so you had the outside diameter that would fit the head. And then you would bevel, bevel the edges where they came together and then um, use a, some type of a cement hmm. to, to bond the two together. And you could actually buff that out and make it almost, um, you know, totally transparent. You could be, it would be sometimes hard to see where the seam was. Wow. And then you'd have to, you know, route the edges to, um, to make a, a good bearing edge on the, on the, the shell. Yeah. Now, do you, um, what did the badge, did he have like a nice badge that said custom? Clear no, drum you company? know, when we had the drum company, we never had a badge. We didn't, we didn't serialize any of the drums. Um, yeah, we just made them, you know, we, we, we were just, we didn't know what we were doing to be honest with you. We, we just did the best we could with what we had and, in uh, um, there was no, really no, there was a sticker mm. that we stuck on the drum, but there was no badge like where the tone hole is, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was never a badge put on, which makes on you wonder like that. how many are floating around, um, just kind of like un, uh, unlabeled, if you know what I mean? Like, uh, like maybe there are, people are thinking they're like a Japanese drum or something, um, when really they were from you guys. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So anyhow, when dad had the custom clear drum come, he had a guy named Terry Cornette that worked, that came and worked with him. And um, 
Kerry was a drummer. He still is a drummer. You know, he worked with the Huntsville Symphony, and he um, um, worked with Dad with Custom Clear Drum Company until Dad basically, you know, he was doing that. And then people knew he had a music store before, and they would come in and they'd go, you know, can you get me some guitar strings in? Can you get me this? Can you get me that? So he ended up just basically merging into a full music retail store again. And um, the, the custom clear kind of just floundered, just laid on the side. Yeah. So dad, dad was a, um, a Martin guitar authorized dealer. And so the Martin dealer knew that dad piddled in drums. And one day he just asked him, he said, you know, we're making these drums and we're a guitar company and we're kind of wanting to get out of the drums. Would you be interested in buying, you know, the inventory? Hmm. Dad goes, yeah. You know, so they sent him a big list of the stuff that they had. And it was worth, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. according to what they had listed. And my older brother, Gary, was working with dad at the store. He'd already graduated from college. And um, dad said, I don't have the money. I don't have that kind of money to buy this. I would love to do it. And my older brother, Gary, says, make him an offer. Yeah. And he said, just lowball it. Make him an offer. They can, Smart. they can refuse it or they can take it. Yeah. So dad, dad made them an offer when by George, they accepted it. Wow. So it was in, I think the early winter of 79 when they shipped that stuff down from Pennsylvania, three tractor trader loads. Wow. And, and I mean, um, you know, we got to say too, that, that the, it was fives. I mean, so they, uh, yes, it was fives. Yes. Yes. So, but we, we weren't able to buy, we weren't able to use the five names because yeah. Martin, uh, was still making drumsticks under sure. the fives names and they would not relinquish that name. Yeah. Which was, okay, you know, that's okay. We were, we were just wanting to make drums. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there is a fives episode out there that people can check out with Tommy Robertson. So basically, C.F. Martin acquired Fives in 1970-ish, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then they so so just to kind of you know reiterate all that, then they sold it to your dad, the drum, the 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 equipment, and like the tooling, and just so he just now had basically right. like a drum factory. Right. Yes. In yeah. 1970, I mean, the molds, the the die casting dies to make all the lugs, the tom mounts. Um, um, the four leg mounts, wow, um, everything, and hmm. so we got that stuff, and they we didn't have any place to put that, so we we rented some space in the Huntsville Industrial Complex or center, which was an old um, textile mill built in the eighteen hundreds, I think hmm. it was old, you know, yeah. And, um, we were there probably two months, maybe, because I, I actually looked it up and then, um, it was 
in February of 1980. They don't know how it happened, but that mill caught on fire. We were in yes. the basement. We were there. We had a solid slab of concrete above us, oh, wow. which the building sat on. And we were in the basement. Huh. And um, that building burned to the ground. And I remember going up to dad's house. You could, he kind of lived up on a, a hill that you could kind of look out over Huntsville. And we could see that thing burning. Wow. And I'm, I'm standing there and, um, d these explosions happen, you know, you see, you, sure. you see something happen and then all of a sudden you hear a big boom and I'm, I go, well, there goes my settling tank, you know, cause I had all, I had stuff down there that I was using to build stuff to, yeah. uh, we had to wall in an area, the whole area downstairs underneath that slab was just open and you told them how much space you needed and then you built a wall around the space that you rented and it was kind of kind of unique yeah and um so it burned to the ground and because of that dad was um eligible for a small business administration loan and we acquired a piece of property or he acquired a piece of property and built a building 5,000 square foot building, hmm. which was packed the first day we moved. <laughs> wow. It was, it was, and then I really, when I started acquiring machines to do the stuff that I wanted to do to make parts, cause that's what I did. Yeah. Dad was, dad was the president, you know, he was, he was, he was everything. Hmm. My older brother, Gary was the, uh, numbers cruncher. He would, he, when we were in production, he would go stand by whoever was doing what they were doing and time them. <laughs> and really wow. he crunched, he made, he came up with the prices of the things that we, yeah. we, uh, someone's got to do it. We sold. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. what he did. Wow. And then, um, man, and, uh, well, I got to mention my younger brother too, Ken, my younger brother, he ended up doing all the, uh, lacquer finishes on the shelves he got really good at that mm, that's awesome i didn't realize so, how much of a family uh i mean i knew it was your dad and you but what that's great so it's awesome your brothers were involved as well oh yeah 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 couldn't have done it without yeah. you know everybody's everybody's help and terry Cornette, the guy I mentioned earlier yep. um he came and worked for us oh huh, that's cool and um a guy named bill von camp that dad knew through the music store came and worked and he's the one that started that actually ended up covering all the shelves and he opened up a business later on after we sold and um was um selling drum shells and covering and stuff like that so cool but me i'm stuck i'm stuck back in my corner i i was just like where i was in school yeah. basically yeah and learning how to i made you will not you cannot imagine how many parts, individual parts, go into making a drum and a drum set. Sure. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. You know. Yeah, really, to make and it so actually happen. We, uh, yeah. we, we basically had, you know, most of that stuff outsourced. And then I would go, Dad, if I can get this laid, I can make this part. And yeah. so I, we started buying machines a, a little at a time, bought a, you know, a milling machine, 
Um, hmm. And I could make, I ended up making some dice to do the, the stamping yeah. of, um, of, you know, metal parts, part of the hoops, made, made things to make, to make the uh, snare hoop had a bridge on it. It wasn't just a cutout. It actually had a bridge on it because the fibers throw off, which we ended up manufacturing, um, you know, it kind of did drops down quite a bit. So sure. that bridge had to clear. Hmm. Um, the edge of the hoop to allow the snares to drop down off the snare side of the shell. Yeah, man. Well, let me ask you this. All right. So backing up before we get too far forward, I have a couple, two questions. All right. So the fire, um, yeah, that, that happened. Okay. But you guys, you said you were under that huge concrete slab. Was most of your stuff salvageable or was everything destroyed uh, because you had that it, giant bluff it's weird if you if we were close to a, a window close to the outside it's like a basement with a window up the top yeah there was still enough heat that it would ignite it the wall that with the plate the um, plywood wall that we built caught on fire and burned just like a wick yeah it just burned down and um so there were no wooden shells there were a few plexiglass shells and they went up you know we had we had a lot of hoops that were underwater because we were in the basement and they're flooding water on everything they could yeah, put it out. True. Well, it, it flooded. It flooded downstairs. Everything was pretty much. So we had a lot of um, tension rods, um, gosh, die cast parts, mm. you know, lugs. Lugs melted. They just, Some of them were just in a big glob. Uh, yeah. an ingot so to speak yeah <laughs> and um it right. was a mess but it was, was a the, real mess was the equipment like i mean because you bought all that your dad bought all that fibes stuff was that could you then i mean it's giant metal equipment i mean was it salvageable itself the actual like oh yeah okay so yeah i was gonna say yeah the, we, the we, were stuff able, carried we were able to salvage we, you know we had two we got two punch presses obi which was oh you know i don't Drummers probably don't care anything about this, but OBI, I mean, just got an open back and it's it clinable. So okay. you can kind of tilt it back and, and parts would stamp and they'll just fall off. Okay. They'll like fall off or, or shoot through the bottom of the, of the die when you stamp parts. Yeah. Those were fine. Those were fine. The, the machine that we, that we got from, um, with the company, um, to, we would actually get blanks hoop blanks, metal hoop blanks, like the triple flange hoop blanks. And we could set them on this machine and index them um, and flare them out to punch holes for six, eight, 10, or 12 um, lug drums. Hmm. And that needed a little bit of work after it, but it was, you know, it was still totally still usable. Man, they, and, they um, built it to last. It took, it took oh, yeah. yeah. A fire and literally like fire hose amount of water coming down um wow and then all right so my other question too just to clarify from myself just with with the fibes acquisition was w did that get you guys uh shell manufacturing stuff or was it really mainly just like hardware uh manufacturing um machinery or was it everything so were you creating then shells was, with the fibes uh equipment it was pretty much everything. I Got remember it. they had a um, a big apparatus, for for lack of a better term. Yep. And it had it had 
pillow block bearings. It was two eight-inch um, I-beams that were connected and long shafts from one I-beam to the other supported by pillow block bearings. And then on the end of that shaft was a big plate, aluminum plate, that you could mount different cylinders to that were made out of you know aluminum. And that's what they used to, when they would make a fiberglass shell. They would put the mat in there and then spin it and start adding. I, I, I'm going by the way yeah. I thought they would have done it. Sure. Because I never saw it done. Yep. Um, and then they would add the resin to it. And since it's being spun like, uh, like the centrifugal force would throw the resin out and you just keep spinning until until it's set up. Mm. And that's how they made, I assume that's how they made the shelf. We never, we never got into that. Yeah. I think we ended up selling that to somebody and I don't know why, but um, it was just in the way. Well, I was going to, before we started, I was just going to say that uh, we talked about how your dad didn't want to get involved with fiberglass. <laughs> he said, he that said, is correct. Yeah. He said no, yeah. uh, which that seems like a lot of work. I think it just goes to show that it's, it's awesome for the companies that did and do, but uh, I get that your dad didn't want to get involved with um, fiberglass. So you guys were typically wood shells at that point. Um, I'm assuming acrylic sort of. Uh, some acrylic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was he was basically pushing the wood shells. Yeah, so that makes sense. A little bit. They easier. were easier to work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot easier. We would buy we would buy long tubes from a company who's no longer in business. I think Jasper Wood Products was the one the company that we we got shells from the first time, and they made all kinds of of uh, plywood products, uh, tables. I think I don't I don't know what all they made, but they could set up and and make the shells and they would sure and we would get like a 16 inch diameter shell maybe you know 36 feet or 36 inches long yeah or 32 inches long so you cut it in half to make two 16 by 16 four times that makes sense and then, um, then you're making all of the uh hardware and all that stuff to put on there out of all that that you know great equipment you were there in the corner <laughs> stamping things yes out and- i was in the corner and that was my little world I'm, i remember my brother gary coming back there and timing me and i'm standing there and he just started laughing he goes you don't even realize i'm here do you <laughs> and i startled i go you know no i i don't i'm so involved in what i'm doing wow that um he just he just basically started laughing. So yeah, I was in my own little world back there, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved making new things. It was a challenge to me to make to make things. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's neat to me too to like if you if you look at a you know quarter drums, just to think that like how much hands on stuff from your family from the quarter family is 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 involved in in these drums. Um, it really makes it. You kind of look at them a little different. It's just a you know a small American brand, and in, in, especially in Alabama, you don't really. I'm sure there's some others, but um, man, you don't hear t- too many hear of too many drum brands in Alabama. Yeah, well, let me tell you what. Don't let this secret out. Alabama is a great state to live in. Sure, but we don't want anybody else coming here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we're, we're getting enough people moving in. Yeah. <laughs> the secret's probably already out. Yeah. So but it's a great place. That's uh, good to know. All right. Well, uh, let's get back on the timeline here. And, and, um, 
So your dad got you, you guys, your dad got the small business loan. You're in your new, um, you know, we'll call it a factory. Um, take it from there. What, what year was that happening? The, the, the transfer over to the new after the fire. Oh, it probably taught, it probably took about, uh, eight months to a year to get the building done where yeah, we can sure. move in. Yeah, and they, there's that old saying about most businesses don't recover after a fire, like you know, like restaurants and stuff. So you guys, that that was a real trial. Yeah, yeah, we weren't hurt too bad. You know, sure. the diecast uh, dies were off at a diecaster up in the uh, northeast somewhere. I don't, I, I forget the name of that company. Boy, that's so convenient. The, the things <laughs> that were actually made the the major part of the things that we used on drums. Um. Wasn't there? They weren't even. They weren't even in house. Yeah, yeah that's lucky, so. man. All right, so carry on with the uh, history there. Um, what happened after that? And and were you guys at that point? Maybe we we also talk a little bit about your uh, public uh, image and like you know how Quarter was doing in the because you you know the whole goal is to sell the drums. So how were things going with with selling and getting these things out in the world? Well, that's what dad dad was. Uh, he was a salesman. And that's what, that's what he did. You know, he was all constantly doing that. It never ended, yeah. you know, never ended. Um, he wanted to get into the marching band. Oh, sure. Line of drums. And so we got into that. And, uh, my older brother commented, we're making, we're making lots of money on the quads when we would do, when we would make quads. He said, "We're not making so much on the bass drums, but we're we're killing it on the quads." <laughs> so more quads, <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's a never-ending market there, um, the marching band world. Oh, and those folks can those folks can destroy a snare drum. <sighs> really, they crank it down to where you're like banging on a tabletop. I I don't understand that, but I I'm not a drummer, so yeah. Um, well, that that was one of my questions later was because because a lot of people who work in uh, drum manufacturing aren't drummers. So you yourself were not a, uh, a drummer. I'm sure you've, you've played the drums. No, of, you know, no, sometimes, no. But. My, my, my older brothers was saxophone and, and keyboard. And, uh, um, I finally started playing the guitar a little bit. My younger brother played mandolin for a little while, but he, he hadn't, uh, he hadn't picked that up in years. So we weren't really a music musically inclined family uh, sure. well your manufacturers and, and and that's all that's pretty important right there um all right so um quarter you know i as as i'm seeing it was it was going strong until about um the in like 1990 ish so what happened so we we, we were in this late started in the late late 70s 79 so um, then, take us through there. So the '80s were pretty good. What 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 were some milestones along the way there? As far as things were just, you know, to me rolling smooth. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we were we were actually sitting at a table. I can't remember what we were were producing. Dad walks up, and his eyes are crossed, and I'm I'm going, "What's up with that?" You know? Yeah. He. Um, he started having problems with um, not his mental capacity at that time, but he started having things go wrong 
And he just told me one day. In fact, he told me, but I've come to find out he didn't tell my older brother or my younger brother. He said, I got something going on. Mm. He said, I need to get out of this business. And um, so then he pursued trying to, you know, trying to get a buyer to buy the, the business. And we, we tried to keep it from all the employees, but they knew something was up. They were going, what's going on? We're not coming out with a new catalog. You know what? Something's going on. I, I didn't know what to tell them. So I just went back to my little corner and I kept making, yeah. kept making parts. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, geez. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Come, I mean, to, find, come, tough. come to find out dad, um, he died in 1999 of Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, the last, last six months of his life, he, he couldn't, he, if he tried to speak, it was words you had never heard. He couldn't even speak the English language anymore. It was, yeah. he would just make up words. And I don't know how someone with Alzheimer's can make up words, but he wow. did. And, uh, it was very, really sad to, to yeah. Yeah. see him go through that. And yeah. I do remember there was a guy that worked for us also for a little while, Artie Dean. And Dean's not his real name. It's Stutzenberger or something like I forget what it is. Marianne Ramsey, who was our secretary, she had to write the check. So she couldn't write a check to Artie Dean because that wasn't his real name. Mm. So she had to write the check to his, his you know, what was on his birth certificate, I guess, or yeah. social security card. Anyhow, he, he approached me. He was into this vintage stuff. And, and uh, he said, can you make these two blocks? And I go, yeah, I, yeah, I can make that. So he said, well, I can sell them if you can make them. So I started trying to, you know, to, to make some of the tube lugs. And then dad and my brothers found out. They said, you can't do that, you know. You can't come in here and make something that we could sell. Um, and so I, I felt bad about Artie because I told him we could do it, but we, I couldn't. So we started making um, snare drums with tube lugs. Yeah, cool. And um, I don't know if anybody else was doing that at the time or not. I really don't. I, I don't know, you know, what was um, – on the in the drum market at that time, I was just in my own little world. Yeah. So we we made the we made two blugs. We made I remember we made um, let's see the six and a half eight inch snares, six and a half, and the regular size snares. I think we made some piccolo snares yeah. out of out of two blugs too. Cool. And that ended up being a pretty pretty big hit. Yeah. Um. Everybody's kind of started wanting two blugs and. Uh, so that was the start of that, which I still do. I still make some two blugs. Oh um, yeah, they're they're popular today. I mean, I even think of like in the mid two thousands, there was like a big boom with 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 two blugs. I mean, they've been they are cool. I mean, they're really really neat um, drums. What about uh, so in that um, you know, let's say in the eighties, were what about endorsees and stuff? I'm, I'm I was looking earlier on, I think the drummer world. Um, discussion like the forum and i think bermuda schwartz um who yeah yeah you know plays with weird yeah. al i believe he said he was an endorser what what other endorsees you know people playing your drums did you guys have i think i think a guy named barrett deans 
yeah. was an endorsee. Yeah, the world's fastest drummer, quote unquote, at some point in time, which I know is debatable. Uh, and Buddy didn't like that. I'm <laughs> pretty sure Buddy yeah, Rich, but well, yeah, yeah, cool. And another guy, and gosh, I can't remember his name. He went into the Guinness's World Book of Records for playing the drums the longest. I don't think he used one of our drums, but I think he used some of the sticks. Dad actually came up with a, a nylon tip, but it was a nylon sleeve mm. and uh, that you could take a drum stick and run it through this. It's like a pencil sharpener, and, and it would cut it down to where the sleeve would fit on I mean, You just glue that, you know, because if you're doing a rim shot with a, um, you know, on a snare drum, sometimes your sticks would fray. Yeah further up the, of course, yeah. and that was supposedly to keep the stick from fraying if you did a rim shot so mm, smart um, he's an inventor i don't know uh yeah he was he really was he saw a need and he wanted to come up with something to fill that that void that mm. wasn't there so yeah but wow to and and throw anything else out there but really that 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 1979 to 1990 i mean like you said it's you know depending on where in the in 79 pretty much that's 10 years um 11 years like really got going and a lot of ups and downs in a pretty short amount of time there i mean that is um to 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 become a drum company that people are still talking about 31 years later after it you know went closed the doors um it's pretty amazing that's you should be proud of your your family yeah well i am i'm still um still trying to do things that our family started sometimes such as the two blokes but yeah i'm slowing down on that i just can't i can't stand and, and buff a, a, a uh, buffing machine yeah for the hours it takes to do it oh anymore, yeah so. yeah i'm sure so um you know again like i said throw anything else in and if i'm if i'm uh if i'm missing anything there in the um in the 80s but what happened with um towards the end there. I mean, I know I remember in, with the fives episode, there was like a radio programmer, um, Sammy Darwin, right? I think he kind of took, yeah, he was the yeah. buyer, right? Dad, dad sold the, the drum company to Sammy Darwin. And, um, when they, when they actually bought it, they drove over from Iuka, Mississippi. It was a two hour, one way drive every day. Jeez. They would hop in a car and take off and drive over to Huntsville and um, work all day and then turn around and drive back and um, to learn the process of what we were doing and um, showing them how everything went mm. and how you know how the process of we that we went through for making the drums. Yeah, and um, they did that. Until, as I remember looking, I went into business in 1991. So somewhere in that transition period was when Darwin finally came over with a bunch of trucks, and they loaded all everything up into those trucks. And mm. I stayed there for a little while. I had all my stuff in a uh, in a, in another corner. <laughs> <laughs> And walled off. I said, this stuff doesn't go. And uh, wow, I had a one little screw machine that I had personally bought that I made um, 
the uh, threaded inserts, you know, the, the inserts that go inside the, um, the die cast lug. Sure. Um, I bought, I bought the cams to do, uh, um, to do that part. And that was amazing uh, to watch that machine because um, it would, it would drill and then uh, it would center drill, drill, and then tap the, the part and then turn the outsides down to a threaded insert and mm. part it off. And it would do one every 14 seconds. Wow. And that machine just sat there and ran, and it still runs in my shop the same way. Just That's what I make the, the post for the tube lugs on is that machine now. Man, sometimes um, you look at this hardware and you forget that like, um, well, a lot of times now it is like just a, a robot or something, but you look at, you forget that the threading and these, the buffing is done by a person. Um, oh, yeah. It's yeah. just amazing. So you were doing your own thing there. If they if they sold everything else, so you were doing, were you doing hardware, um, obviously for quarter, but in, in the, you know, 90 and on, then did you continue making drum hardware on your own? And I know you said you're still kind of working on it. I mean, what what's yeah, the story with that? Just the tube lugs, which is only a brass, you know, sure. a brass tube lug. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I really didn't have a, a source to sell anything else. And a lot of that stuff's hard to make. You know, um, the die cast parts, you got to build a die casting die and, have a company that run it for you because I, you know, you can't, you can't run that stuff in the house unless you got a big shop and a big place to put a big diecast machine. Yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah. Wow. And you can, but you're still just, selling them, correct? You can still buy, people can buy tube lugs from you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I make them. I had one guy, um, he thought my prices were a little high, which I don't think they are, but, um, you know, yeah. he, he asked about a size. I said, where else can you get that size made? Sure. You know, I can make them any size you want. Yeah. Up Custom. to 15 inches long from one inch up to 15 inches, anything in between. And, um, I don't think China's making that. They'll make certain sizes, you know, and sell those certain sizes, but, or a custom length drum or tube lug. Um, I don't know anybody else that was doing it. There mm. may be. I'm sure there are. Yeah, but. of course. But it's cool. It's just because it's you and it's got the history. And, and I'm, um, you know, I'll say that people can go to quarter, C O R D E R products.com and, uh, you know, you can keep Don busy in his corner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> making some of those tube lugs. Wow. Thank you, Bart. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. What an unbelievable, um, story. I mean, that's, it's, um, it had to be pretty upsetting to like, uh, sell your, this brand. I mean, obviously your dad faced a situation where he kind of had to, um, and it seemed like it yeah, was, he, was he, point, but, there, he knew there was no future for him. You know, yeah. that's just sad to say. My older brother had actually gone back and gotten his uh, mechanical engineering degree. Mm. So he, I guess he saw the writing on the wall. And uh, my younger brother went back and got his uh, degree in finance. And I went back to the school of hard knocks and just didn't do anything except 
learned to keep my hands greasy on working on machines and yeah. stuff like that. So, Boy, but you guys, uh, you learned because of this drum company. Are you, you kind of like, you learned what you Absolutely. I do. learned so much. If I knew then what I know now, oh, it'd been Katie bar the door because there's no telling what we could have been making. And yeah, it was a great, absolutely great learning experience for me. That's awesome. And, um, mm. Yeah. Wow. Just eBay. eBay wasn't out at the time where you can go on and buy tools um, to put on these machines to make the parts. Oh, it's that's that place is. I've tooled up my machines through um, buying stuff off eBay. Really. Wow. Yeah. So, these old. I'm sure there's everything's worth something to someone. You know what I mean? We're like if 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 you come across stuff like that, you can, you can always part it out. And then guys like you who need that <laughs> one. Oh yeah. Specific yeah. thing. Oh, <laughs> wow. Fascinating. Knurling tools, you know? Um, oh gosh. Yeah. Mm. Die casts are uh, the die heads to, to do the threading of an outside, um, you know, screw. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Well, so, you know, um, I still think that your dad's idea about those inserts, um, did anything ever come of that? Like, did any of those exist out in the world? Because I think that obviously it'd have to be done right where they're not like sliding off or like they have to be connected correctly. But did anything ever come of that? No, nothing ever, ever came of that I know of. Because really to do it right, you would have to take one head off. And then you would have to go in there and take all the screws out. Yeah. Oh, I see. And then put the insert in and then everything match up with the, you know, the holes match up with the, your insert, um, your new blue sparkle or whatever to match up with the hole pattern for the screws. And, um, it would just, it just, it was labor intensive to, yeah. to change out an insert. Obviously, it would look a little different than if it was a nice blue sparkle wrap on the outside. So you'd have to play with your um, what finishes look great and and all that stuff. Um, so I'm sure there'd be a lot of it's cheaper than buying a new drum set in a different color. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you could also put lights in one. You oh, could sure. Do, you could do Christmas lights. You could do anything. You know, I, I don't know if dad's patent, you know, which is has expired years, years ago. Um, yeah. If anything like that could be done, or you could do somebody with an artistic mind could make a drum set just shine. Exactly. So That'd be awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, Don, um, this is all fascinating. And I want to let everyone know who's listening. Don is going to be kind enough to do a uh, Patreon, the bonus episode that we do on the show. And um, we decided that it'd be fun to talk about um catalogs with quarter and because i think that's an interesting uh sub you know we didn't really talk much about that and it's 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 you're putting your best foot forward and you're presenting your drums in the best light in this catalog and i'm sure it's behind the scenes always a little chaotic and some some funny things can happen there so um if you want to check out that and then many other bonus episodes go to drumhistorypodcast.com and there's a become a patron button so you can go there and check it out and don and i will record that episode right after we finish this one here shortly but um don i want to thank you for being here and sharing your family's story with me um it's it's uh you're you should be like i said and you are you should be very proud and your dad jim quarter just seems like a great businessman um who 
His legacy is still going uh, strong today. So, and, and then also Brian Bayer, B-E-Y-E-R. Thank you so much for connecting me with Don and emailing and all that good stuff. Um, so, Don, yeah, thank you so much for being here. No, oh, you're welcome. It was a, a pleasure to uh, share what little information I had. So, yeah. <laughs> it was great. great. Thank you. If you like this podcast, find me on social media at Drum History and please share, rate, and leave a review. And let me know topics that you would like to learn about in the future. Until next time, keep on learning.